1: here today, uh, you could be anywhere else and you chose to be here. Uh, it's supposed to be 90 something degrees out there today. Good day to go kayaking, uh, go to the lake, uh, uh, but we thank you for coming here. We are going to talk about joy today and your joy specifically. Uh, joy, uh, not what the world thinks joy is, but uh Christian joy. Uh, our text today is going to be uh, first chapter of Philippians chapter 12, or excuse me, verse 12 through 21. And uh, uh, we're talking about Paul and, and his circumstances and, and what he went through and how he still maintained his joy uh, through his circumstances. And our world looks at their circumstance, the world looks at their circumstances and, and bases their happiness. Uh, off of what they're going through at that time, uh, the Christian, our joy isn't based in, should not be based in our circumstances, but in uh, Christ, okay, and and uh, our salvation and and what Christ has done for us. Uh, I was uh, at a meeting this past week, Thursday, and I was uh, telling one of my pastor friends uh, what I was preaching on today, and uh, he gave me this. Uh, Word picture, if you would, uh, picture a pond, and the pond is perfectly calm, and this is this is Christian joy. The, the 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 pond is is the joy. Now, take a big old rock and throw it in the middle of that pond, and you see the splash in the waves. We're going to We're going to refer to that as our happiness. Happiness is our happiness is more of a an emotion, uh, but we can still maintain that Christian joy. In spite of whether we're happy or not happy, and that's what I want to uh, talk about today. Because Paul, in our text, is certainly going through some circumstances here and uh, things in his life and some trials, tribulations, and he still maintains that Christian joy, even though he's he's beat up, he's uh, shipwrecked, and and uh, uh, and going through all these this stuff as we do. Okay, each and every one of us has. Financial troubles, uh, uh, car troubles, family troubles, okay? Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, but we should, there's still no reason not to maintain that Christian joy that, that, that we should be experiencing, even though we're not happy about the circumstances we're going through. So if you're uh, uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 12, I'm going to go ahead and read that and see, uh, uh, see what Paul has to say here. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel. Now keep that word advance uh, in the back of your mind there. We're going to go back to that uh, here soon. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Verse 14 says, Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice because I know... This will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death, and in verse 21, for me living is Christ and dying is gain. I'd ask you to bow your heads and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and uh, just ask Him to be with us through this the rest of this service. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day again, Lord. And again, the opportunity and the, and the privilege it is to be in Your house today, Lord. We just thank You and praise You for that. I just ask You would speak through me this morning, call my nerves. Lord, I just pray You would touch hearts this morning and that if somebody needs this message, that they would take it and use it as they see fit, Lord. We love You and we praise You. And again, just ask that You're with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So is joy slash happiness. Okay? an attitude, excuse me, attribute or is it a part of your personality, your makeup? Okay? I believe that joy/happiness is a choice. We we choose to be happy or we choose not to be happy. We choose to have joy or not. Many believe that their joy is based on their circumstances and that uh, what's going on in their life at that moment is the source of their happiness or their unhappiness. But I disagree with that. We can choose. We get up in the morning and choose whether we're going to have a good day or a bad day. It really has nothing to do with our circumstances and everything to do with our perspective and, of course, our priorities in life. And, and I would stop right here and ask you, what are your priorities in life? Pastors named them and done lessons on them and preached on them uh, more than one time. But we need to make sure our priorities are straight. And once our priorities are straight... We're going to be able to put our joy and our happiness in perspective and take advantage of what Christ has done for us. If we choose to be miserable, then we'll be miserable. And of course, so will those around us. I guarantee it. Because I find when I'm in a bad mood, it helps if I make everybody else in a bad mood. (laughs) You know, uh, misery loves company. Isn't that what they say? Okay, so, uh, but the same could be said of joy. Okay, being joyful, being happy. Okay, a lot of people take their cue from you. All right, if I, and I'm going to use Penny and, and myself as, as an example. If Penny's had a bad day at work, okay, and I come home and, and you know, she's not in the, in the greatest of moods, or vice versa, we sense that. We kind of take cue off of that. And, of course, the evening may or may not go as happily as we would want, right? Because uh, people sense what, what your moods are and, and, uh, and, and they take that. And I tell Penny all the time, uh, it's totally within your power uh, to, to choose what kind of day you're going to have. Um, either a good day or a bad day. And of course, everybody's going to take an example uh, and make an example of you. An extension of that is don't let other other people's attitudes determine your altitude. Okay? Uh, and you look at the slide up there. Every single day you make a choice, and you can choose whether you, you and others are going to have a good day or you and others are going to have a bad day. But I tell Penny, make that choice to have a good day. It's not, I know sometimes it's not easy. Why? Because we let other people's attitudes determine our altitude. We react off of their reactions, we react off of their attitudes, and we end up having a bad day. Whereas if we broke it, and I know it's difficult. I'm, I'm not saying uh, that, just do it. It's, it's, I know it's not that easy, okay? But, but we have to try. If we're going to live a joyous, joyful Christian life, then we have to try. We, we have to put ourselves out there, and we have to make that choice to have a good day. We may not be happy about it, but that joy, that underlying Christian joy needs to be there. So I would ask the question, do you want joy? Yeah, of course we do. Everybody wants joy, right? But I'm sorry to say you're never going to have it. Not unless you're willing to make that choice and choose in spite of your circumstances, what's going on in your life, who's going on in your life You have to make that choice that, hey, I'm going to experience, I'm going to take advantage of this joy that I have in Christ. Okay? Now, you need to make that separation. You need to realize, you need to get a hold of this. I'm not talking about the joy and the happiness that the world experiences or does not experience through their circumstances and not knowing Christ. When you, when you choose to follow Christ and you ask Him into your heart, there's, I believe there is that inherent joy that, that we have deep down, that joy that surpasses all understanding. I don't know where it comes from, but we need to grab a hold of that and we need to hold on to it. That's the pond. Whether there's ripples of happiness in it or not, there's that pond there, that joy that as Christians we have. You may not feel it all the time. The circumstances you're going through. Loss of a loved one, uh, financial problems, loss of finances, whatever the case may be. I don't know. But you need to hold on to that Christian joy like Paul did. And we're going we're gonna to dive into that and delve and see, see how Paul did that. See, when we come here on Sunday morning, we don't find it difficult to praise the Lord when our circumstances... I tell you, I come in here in a good mood, man. I'm all about praising the Lord, lifting my hands... But I have literally found times when I've been here and I've been not in the best of moods or not things haven't been going well at home or at work or whatever and I'm not so apt to raise my hand and sing out like I would when everything's going fine. We need to get through that. We need to push through that and grab a hold of that joy. That's what joy. Uh, that's uh, that joy that I was talking about is based on. You don't want it based on your circumstances. You want to base it on Christ. But that's what happens. And What happens to that joy? If you're basing your joy on what's going on in your life, what happens when your circumstances change? You're in here. You're praising the Lord. Everything's great. What happens when those circumstances change and things start to go bad and you start to lose everything? Okay? God doesn't say, oh, if you're in a good mood, praise me. If you're in a good mood... Give your tithe. If you're in a good mood and you're happy, come to church. Nah. He says, come to church. He says, pay your tithe. there's, There's inherent things we're to do whether we're happy or not, whether we're feeling joyful or not. You can still have that joy. Here's the thing you can't have that joy. The next question is, will you have that joy? Because it's your choice. You can't look at your husband or your wife and say, uh, can, can I be happy? No. It doesn't matter. You choose to. They may be the most cantankerous thing in the world, husband or wife, but you can still choose to be happy. You can still choose to have that joy. You want to know what kind of joy? Satan boasted to God that Job would follow him because of his blessings. Right? Job had, that, Job had everything, Right? Satan said, but if you take it all away, he'll curse you. And of course, God said, no. Job lost it all, but passed the test. And what did did Job say? He said, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job lost everything. His family, his riches, everything. Sitting there. Covered in boils. Right? And he passed the test. I pray that I could be half that faithful. Paul in our text this morning is saying the same thing. He certainly had many unfavorable circumstances. We read about Paul throughout the New Testament and we see everything he went through, being in prison, being in chains, being beaten, uh, beat up. Uh, uh, The Jews were uh, plotting against him, uh, shipwrecked, which we're going to talk a little bit about some of that stuff this morning. But he still maintained his joy. He still maintained his focus on Christ. And that being the source of his joy. Paul desired nothing more than to preach the Gospel in Rome, the center of the world at that time. Caesar being the leader of the known world. Right? Paul wanted to take the Gospel to the top. In Acts chapter 19, verse 21, it says, When these events were over, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. After I have been there, he said, I must see Rome as well. In Romans 1.15, he says, So I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. Paul had prayed to get to Rome. Now, here's the lesson here. Be careful what you pray for. Okay? Because sometimes we pray, hey, Lord, I would really like to get a job down in Florida right on the coast and, you know, live there out on the beach and, and you know, be careful what you pray for because, you know, number one, he may have other plans for you. Number two, he may let you get there, but he may, it may be a hard road to, to go down in order to get there. And that's the case with Paul. Paul wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to preach to the Romans, to, the, to Caesar, but it was a hard road. Paul went through a lot to get there. How he got there was a big surprise. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect him to. We think it's pretty much straightforward. You know, hey, Lord, let me, let me go to uh, St. Louis today. All right? Unfortunately, I have to go over the Poplar Street Bridge. Okay? If you've ever been over that, that's a, a test in patience right there. Okay? But, but Paul was the same way. Okay? He prayed, I want to go to Rome. But God had plans to get him to Rome. Religious Jews plotted against him, as did the Romans, and he became a prisoner in Caesarea for two years. Now we say, oh great, now he's never going to get to Rome. God had a plan. God had a plan to get Paul to Rome. Now Paul was a Roman citizen, so they couldn't just string him up. He, they, there were certain rules they had to follow because he was a Roman citizen. Alright? And so, God started him on his road to Rome. He appealed to Caesar, which put him on his way there. Not as a preacher missionary, as you would think, but as a preacher prisoner. Preacher prisoner. And while en route, they suffered a shipwreck. And he's stranded on this island for three months. And can you, I can just think of what's going through Paul's mind. Oh my goodness, am I ever going to get to where I'm going? If he even thought that, he, he might have thought, great, I'm not ever going to get there. But... After reading all the stories of Paul and his faith, I doubt he thought, I'm never going to get there. He probably just prayed, Lord, thank you for the nice tropical vacation, right? (laughs) That was was Paul. But he appealed to Caesar, and now he's en route, and he suffers a shipwreck. And that that account in, in Acts 27, you can read of that shipwreck, and for three months they're stranded on that island before they can again set sail for Rome. But once there, Paul is placed... Under the Praetorian Guard. Now, the Praetorian Guard, if you've seen some of these movies, okay, they're the, they're the elite, they're the best of the best, okay? They're Caesar's uh, personal security guards, if you will, the imperial guard, as it says in, 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 our, in our Bibles, okay? Paul is chained to one of these guards for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, okay? And, uh, and these aren't just any old guard they found on the street. These are the elite. Guards, the ones with the big headdresses and, and the nice armor and, and so on. Okay, So Paul, Paul's already in the, in the king's court right there because he's chained to one of these guards all the time. Now, if there was me, I, I'd be saying, what's, what's going on, Lord? What, what are you doing? I'm, I'm trying to preach the gospel and you got me all chained up here. God had a plan. God had a plan. Let me, let me bring this down to us here. We see our circumstances. We're chained to our house. We're chained to our vehicles. We're chained to our life, right? Okay? And if it's, if it's not the best of circumstances for you, God's got a plan. You've got to look at Paul and see what he's going through. Yet he's, God's got a plan. And the that, that same applies for our lives. Nothing's changed. God hasn't changed. It says so in our, in our Bibles. God doesn't change, He stays the same th- yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Nothing's changed. He's got a plan. Even the believers in Philippi were aware and asking the same thing. Lord, our pastor's there. He's ready to preach, but you've got him chained up. They sent their pastor, Epaphroditus, to check on Paul and send him a message. Now this letter, or this message, doesn't really in the Bible say what the message was, but it could have went something like this. Dear Brother Paul, we're so sorry for your circumstances... And for the fact that the gospel is no longer being carried by you. They look at Paul's circumstances and they think, oh great, it's over, right? But I can picture Paul standing up and saying, "Oh, contraire. It's just began. God's in control. God's got a plan. Paul answers in verse 12 of our text, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually re- resulted in the advance of the gospel. Again, back to us. The circumstances you're going—I don't know all your circumstances. I don't know what you're going through. We usually come here on church on Sunday, and we see the best of each other, right? Unless we, uh, those that we're close to, we might tickle their ear with, uh, you know, a little description of what we may be going through. But other than that, most people don't know what we're going through. But I would ask, whatever circumstances you are going through, can you say you have furthered the gospel? In any way. You know, we're left here on earth to preach the gospel. Oh, but Brother John, I'm not a preacher. Well, as far as the gospel is concerned, you are. We're to preach Jesus all the time, in spite of our circumstances. See, it's not about what's happening around us, it's about God's providence. God's in control, God's got a plan. He turns tragedy into triumph. Yeah, you lost everything. That is a tragedy. You lost your house. That is a tragedy. And again, I don't know people's circumstances, but God's got a plan. He turns that into triumph. Somebody's, somebody's parent. my parents have passed away. Penny's parents have passed away. Somebody's parents passed away. I'm in a position to, to minister to you. I know what it feels like to lose your parents. That, that's what I'm talking about. God turns those tragedies into triumph. We're able to minister and spread the gospel through these tragedies. Here you go. I want you to get a hold of this here. The Christian should never develop a victim mentality because of this. All things work together for good. I can look out through this congregation this morning... And I can honestly say I see some triumphant Christians. I look around and I see Christians at, at Victory Church. I don't know other churches. I know Victory Church. And I see Christians turning tragedy into triumph. Their circumstances into triumphs. There's no victims here. I've, I've not seen anybody play the victim. That's encouraging to me. Because as Christians, as believers in Christ, we should never... Play the victim. We should never play on people's sympathy and, and having the pity party. We're Christians. We should be triumphant. And I see de- overcomers throughout this whole I can, I can name names, but I'm sure I would leave somebody out. But I'm sure you, you're thinking about that. Somebody in this congregation comes to mind. Somebody that has overcome a, a, a circumstance, a trial, a tribulation. I can look out and see that. God is always doing something in us so He can do something greater through us. Now those things He's doing in us, maybe for good, maybe not so good. Again, those trials, those tribulations, those things that happen to us, God uses so that we can minister to other people. Now there's four things in your life that will attempt to rob you of your joy. And they're in Philippians. First one being circumstances, which we're talking about today. And that's the only one we're really going to delve into today is, our, is the circumstance, and that's chapter 1. Then we got people. People can definitely steal our, our joy. Am I correct? Okay? Not that we should let them, but in chapter 2. And then things. I had trouble with my truck uh, this weekend, and it went in the shop, and of course, the biggest thing is I had to pay for it, uh, right? But, you know, things can steal your joy, if you let it. If you let it. I got an awesome set of tires out of the deal, so... Uh, it works, right? <laughs> and then there's worry. How many people in here worry? Are we supposed to worry? Not according to God 's word, we're not supposed to. but we still do. all right? I tell you, I, yeah, worry sometimes will wake me up in the morning uh, thinking about worrying about things I have to do to, to do throughout the day. You know what I mean? We 're not to let that bother us, but worry will steal your joy as quickly as anything. We're not to do that. But like I said, we're going to focus on circumstances today. And if in the future I'm, uh, Pastor uh, gives me rain to come up here, I'll press on with another one possibly. But Paul, addresses in Philippians had to nab these joy thieves though, right? Most of us can easily see the difficulties inherent in our opportunities, right? We have an opportunity to do this, or an opportunity to do that. Such as Paul's opportunities. Paul had an opportunity to go to Rome, Right? And we see those difficulties in that opportunity and things he went through. All right? Sometimes it's, it's difficult to see Christ, let alone preach Christ, through some of those difficulties. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes when a pastor's up here or, or I'm up here and, and, and something is said, and, and I could just kind of picture in some of the looks that, well, Pastor, you don't know my circumstances. Circumstances across the board are pretty much the same. Some are bad, some are good. And I've been there, and have been, been through them. And, and you've got to press on uh, through that. Our job, and, and, and Jesus' last words, right, is before He sent it in heaven, were to what? Spread the gospel. That's something we are to do. If we fail, and I was thinking of how to word this this morning, and I was even online looking... Uh, there's a training concept. I've, I've been an instructor uh, for a better part of, of 30 years, and I, I'm, I'm look, looking at, at last learned is I couldn't couldn't find the saying. But anyway, the last thing you're told, last thing you learn, is usually the thing you, you're supposed to remember the most, right? Uh, for Christians, somehow that that escapes them. You know, if, if if we if we fall short on other things, which we shouldn't, I'm not giving you an excuse or a way out here. God's Word clearly lays out how we're to operate as Christians, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And we're to be obedient to God's Word. But there's one thing, you know, that Jesus said as He was leaving, is preach the Gospel, spread the Word. And I would, I would think, you know, I don't, I don't know what your idea of a, uh, a successful Christian is, a successful believer is... But here, here's me. If, if if I could bring one person to the saving knowledge of Christ, I would call that a successful Christian life. You know, so many other things we're required to do. So many other things we fail. You know, we look. We sometimes we, as Christians, we look at other people's lives possibly and say, you know, they they've got it right. They're 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 doing it right. But you don't know their circumstances. You don't know the deep down circumstances. We may look at another person and say, what a total failure. What a loser. They're not doing anything correctly. We don't know their circumstances. We don't know their, their heart. They're, they could be doing everything correctly. It's, you know what I mean? We can see and learn through Paul's difficulties the opportunities present there, and that opportunity being Christ. I'm going to scurry through these uh, so we can move on. But if you look at it, you look in our you look at Paul's perspective in our in our text this morning, and uh, if you if you got that up on your on your Bibles, in verse 13, Paul says, "In bond, my bonds in Christ." In verse 15, preach Christ. Verse 16, preach Christ. Verse 18, Christ is proclaimed. Verse 19, help from the Spirit of Christ. Verse 20, Christ shall be magnified. Verse 21, to live as Christ. Verse 23, to be with Christ. Verse 26, growing confidence in Christ. Verse 27, the Gospel of Christ. Verse 29, given on the behalf of Christ. Wow. Paul was focused. He knew he knew where His joy lied. He knew His job. He knew what He was supposed to be about. Do you know what you're supposed to be about this morning? I always I always thought in the back of my mind that the earlier Christians, besides being fed to the lions, had it pretty easy. Okay? Because they didn't have all the things coming at them. They didn't have a house payment, a car payment, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, school for the kids, you uh, uh, you know, jobs like we have today, uh, uh, taxes. They had taxes. Of course they did. Uh, but you, you know what I'm saying? I always thought, wow, that'd be an easy life. I could just live in a tent and not have to worry about anything. Believe me, they had the same worries we have. We like to think, oh, we're so far advanced than the earlier Christians, but we're not. They, had this, they went through the same trials, tribulations, thoughts and feelings that we go through. If your circumstances find you in Christ... Then you'll find Christ in your circumstances. That's a good takeaway from this sermon today. Look for Christ in your circumstances. Find him there. Because it's like that like the joy, the pond of joy. He's always there. He doesn't move, it's always there. Don't worry about the happiness that comes and goes, those ripples that that I referred to, the, the emotion of happiness. Which is great. I love being happy versus being sad or mad or whatever you want to say. But that joy, that deep down joy, I, you can call it joy, but it could be just the knowledge that Christ has saved me, that heaven's my home, that, you know what I mean? Now, I said all that in order to bring it down to these two points. You know, I try I try to keep up with Pastor John and make my uh, introductions it's extremely long, okay? <laughs> I don't know if I've reached his the art of his introductions, but I try, right? But I said all that to say this, these two points. And you can see it in Paul in, 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 in chapter 1 in Philippi, Philippians there. I almost said Philippines, but uh, the message will be extended. God's got a plan. You know what? What, 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 what did he say? If, if we didn't do it, the rocks would cry out, right? God's message is going to be extended. God gave us, you know, He, he didn't give us a job. He gave us an opportunity. He gave us, it, it, we should be proud that, that Jesus told us to spread the gospel. Some of us are great. Some of us, some of you are great at it. I don't. I I got my faults and failures there. Don't don't even think I don't. But some people are great at spreading the gospel and looking for every opportunity to to preach Jesus. Um, uh, Gentleman Marion Wells, some of you know him in my old church. That man, I don't care what the circumstance was, what the situation was. Ask Penny. He would always find a find a, a opportunity to talk about Jesus. Always. You know, we need to be like that. We need to find opportunities in our circumstances to spread the gospel. And it, well, a lot of times we sit out there, and I've done it too. I've sat out there and looked up a pastor because he—he seems he's very articulate, right? And I say, there's no way I could do it that way. I'm just not going to do it. It's not about being articulate. You don't—the message is in God's word. All you have to do is read it to him word for word. You don't have to be some charismatic, articulate person to stand up in front of a crowd it can be one on one write somebody a letter to spread the gospel look for Christ in those opportunities in your circumstances the message is going to be extended the master will be exalted you look at, you look at all of Paul's writings right he always put Christ up there I mean his whole desire his whole life was Christ Again, coming back to here. Is our whole life Christ? Do you see Christ in every, every, every aspect of your life? How I'm guilty of this as well, but how can we call ourselves Christians when we're not putting Christ first in everything? Just a thought for you to think on, dwell on. The message of the gospel was extended. In verse 12, and I said we were coming back to this word advance. Advance the gospel. Paul, in spite of his being a prisoner in in chains, he was able to advance the gospel. Advance means to move forward, to blaze the trail. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was a prisoner advancing into new territory. Blazing the trail for the gospel. Paul's chains gave him contact with the lost. You think about that. When Paul and Silas were in prison, and the doors flung open and the chains fell off, and the guard was all worried. Paul said, hey, don't don't kill yourself. We're still here. And he spread the gospel to to the lost, to the other prisoners there. He took advantage. In his situation, He was able to reach the lost. In verse 13, the imperial guard, and as I said earlier, that's referring to Caesar's court, the best of the best, the imperial guard operated there. Caesar's personal security. And Paul got saved in Acts 9. God said, you'll preach to the Jews, you'll preach to the Gentiles, and what? You'll preach to kings. Guess what? Prophecy fulfilled. Paul was able to preach to Caesar. See, and a lot of times on that note, we we talk to people about Jesus and they reject it, and sometimes we take that fault on ourselves. We're not. We are called to lead the horse to water. We are not called to make them drink. If you have if you have spread the gospel, if you if you mention the gospel to somebody and mention Jesus Christ saves to them, you, your job is done. You've done what Jesus called you to do. A lot of times, and I, I'm a big one for this. If I can't sit down and, and, and recite the sinner's prayer with them, I feel like a failure as, as, a, as a preacher, as a Christian, period. No. As long as you're spreading the gospel. If you mention Jesus to somebody, that's a success. doesn't matter if they accept it or not. And As, as Christians, we have to get out from underneath that, that, oh, I have to lead them to the Lord. No, you don't. Because they may not want to be led to the Lord your only requirement is to spread the gospel, not make them accept it. So these imperial guards would have been chained to Paul, as like I said, 24-7. Metal band. Everybody's seen handcuffs, right? These were like that a little bit longer chain. But one around the guard's wrist, one around Paul's wrist, 24-7. Paul Wherever they went, wherever Paul went, they had to be in agreement. I would imagine the guards got their way most of the time. Uh, But they worked six-hour shifts, so Paul was attached to four different guards daily. Now, if you were chained to Apostle Paul for six hours a day, what do you think you would hear about? Right? About the weather, maybe? How the cardinals are doing? Right? No, probably not. Because after reading all that has been written and what all Paul wrote, guess what? I would imagine you would have heard about Christ at least one time. I'll bet when that guard's six-hour shift was up, what a relief! I bet he couldn't get those handcuffs off quick enough. In fact, the four guards probably had an agreement that the guard coming on duty had to bring a couple of Tylenol to the guard going off duty. Just you know, because I'm sure Paul uh, kept up his witnessing, right? But you know what? Philippians four twenty-two tells us some of those guys got saved. Never despise your chains. Whatever those chains are, don't despise them. God has a plan. He's going to use them to further His kingdom. Take that opportunity that God's put you in to spread His gospel. There was only one way that Paul could have access to Caesar's court. And that was in chains. No other way could Paul, Paul preach the gospel to Caesar. He couldn't have just, I need an audience with Caesar so I, can, uh, I got something to tell him. I doubt very seriously that he'd have got that audience. But in chains, Caesar had to see him. He was a Roman citizen, so they had to make, he had to go to court, right? So that was, God had a plan, didn't He? Back in the early part, we see Paul in prison in chains, and we're thinking, oh great, now what's going to happen? How in the world will he get to Caesar now? And like I said... Back then, God had a plan. Guess what? For your circumstances, you, you look at it now and you say, how, how am I ever going to get through this? God's got a plan. And I know you've heard this, and it might even be a little cliche, but a lot of times, God doesn't see us out of our problems. He sees us through our problems. Just like He is Paul. And we come out on, we come out on the other side where we need to be, where God wants us. We've all felt chained to a job. We've all felt the financial chains, relationship change, chains of stress. Moms sometimes feel tra- chained to the children. Am I wrong? Hey, I love I love my kids, but uh, hey, sometimes hey, you've got to find a babysitter. Uh, uh, you've got to care for them because they're sick. Uh, when they're small, you got to change their diapers and, and, and so on. Uh, you know, it's, no need to feel guilty about it. Sometimes it can be a little stressful. I, I've I've been there. Penny's been there. <laughs> it, it, I'm sure it's much worse on a mom than it is a dad. Okay. But, uh, you know, some, some moms here. Su- Susanna Wesley raised 19 kids, and that's before disposable diapers were available. Two of them shook Europe for God. Fanny Crosby lived in, in the chains of darkness because a careless doctor who put the wrong medicine in her eyes made her blind. But she said, "...I cannot see with the eyes of my body." But this has allowed me to see better with the eyes of my heart. And we sing many of her 400 hymns still to this day. We've all sang Blessed Assurance. She wrote that song. Bunyan's chains gave us Pilgrim's Progress. Luther's chains gave us a new translation of the Bible. And the message of the Gospel was extended. Paul's chains were given so that the Gospel message could be extended as well. And as I said, you can't just walk into Caesar's court. Uh, no more than you can just hop the fence to the White House. And, no, that's, you can't do that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But you can't just walk into Caesar's court, right? You get my point. Paul's chains gave him contact with the lost. Paul's chains gave him courage with the saved. Paul could identify with the lost people and their circumstances and what they were going through. Number one, Paul had been lost. Now Paul's in chains. And he can identify those chains with the circumstances that the lost are going through. In verse 14, we see other believers in Rome were inspired and emboldened. Earlier when I was talking about how our happiness and our joy is contagious and others get it from us, Paul's focus inspired the other Christians in Rome. Your life will either encourage or discourage others around you. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of what kind of person do you want to be? I tell you, I work with a couple of guys that they're just Debbie Downers. They are. I don't like to be around them. I don't like to be around people that are down. Now, of course, I'm a hypocrite, so when I'm down, it's okay to be around me. But I don't want to be around. Okay. But even Penny, she'll come on a bad mood. She had a bad day. She's not. Her cheerful self. So it's my job to cheer her up. And of course, being the husband, I make matters much worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but, but people feed off of us, feed off of our energy. You know, what, what do you want to feed people? You want to feed them positive or negative? Courage and cowardice are both contagious. As I said, which one will you pass on? If Paul could be a witness in prison, then I can be a witness at my work. I can be a witness to these Darren Downers. Nobody here is named Darren, are they? Okay. These Debbie Downers, I, I can be a witness to them. I can try to spread my Christian joy to them. I can spread the Gospel of Christ to them. The message was extended. Paul extended the message. Are you extending the message? I didn't ask you if you were winning people to Christ. Are you extending the message? And the second point the Master was exalted. We have to exalt Christ. We are Christians. Okay? We need to exalt Christ. We need to put Him first. Those priorities I was talking about, that Pastor talks about all the time, guess what that first priority is? Christ. He's number one. He should always be number one. No matter what you're doing, no matter what your circumstances, happy, sad, uh, miserable, on your last leg, whatever, that first priority should be Christ. Always. In verse 15 through 19, he's talking about religious politics, right? You know what? Religious politics goes on today, same as it did in Paul's. Now, of course, I don't think we have... The church hierarchy, or Jews trying to to kill us, or anything, or or uh, against us. But you know what? Sometimes your perspective on things and, and things you see. People can be nasty. <laughs> people can be mean. Guys, we're we're not called to be that way. What type of what kind what kind of we need to exalt Christ. And we do that through being more like Him. Some play church, and insincerely so. And Paul was talking about it in, in, in the Scripture today. Uh, there's a spirit of rivalry and jealousy in Rome. And, and as there is today in the church, some churches. Uh, instead of working together for the kingdom, they were competing for prominence. Everybody wants a, a place of prominence. And these Christians in Paul's day, where were Paul was... Even though he was in prison, he was in a position to, to do something large for Christ. And, 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 and these, these people wanted that position. And some of them set their faces against Paul. And in verse 18, Paul shows his true character. And this is where we should show our true character. This is where we usually do show our true character. He cares more about the Gospel than His image. Paul cared about Christ more than he cared about himself. And oh, that we could get to that point in our Christian walk, that we could be like that. Their motives were impure. They slandered him, treated him unfairly. They were jealous of him. But he rejoiced that they also named Christ, and he loved them for that, no matter what they said behind his back. The Master was being exalted, even through his critics. Paul was happy for that. We should be happy for that. That the gospel is extended, that the Master is being exalted. And if Paul was like us, he would have fired back at his critics, grumbled to the other prisoners about his enemies, uh, maybe even written letters uh, to his supporting churches denouncing these, these ministers, uh, these enemies of Paul. However, if he had done that, the gospel, the message of Christ wouldn't have gone out because he'd been so busy attacking his enemies because they were attacking him that the gospel would have been lost. Keep the main thing the main thing in spite of your circumstances. I know Victory's not a perfect church, although I've been to a lot of churches and it's one of the most perfect I've seen, not without its faults. But... You don't want to know why it's imperfect? Because we're imperfect. Okay, when we all leave today, we set the alarm and lock the doors, guess what? Victory Church will be perfect. (laughs) As soon as we set foot inside, we ruined it, right? We all make mistakes. We all fail each other. And I pray there's forgiveness when that kind of stuff happens. There needs to be. Even feelings are hurt. I understand that. If we go away and air our dirty laundry to others, whether lost or saved, Satan gets the opportunity. Somebody hurts us, and we don't extend forgiveness. Guess what? Satan gets the opportunity. We, we, don't, we don't put Christ first in our, in our circumstances. Satan then gets the opportunity. It's not about am I being treated fairly or is justice being done. The big picture here is Christ being preached, souls being saved, and that brings us joy, shouldn't it? That is a question. You can nod your head if yes, no if no. But that should bring us, the fact that Christ is being preached and souls are being saved should excite us. God's word says when 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 a, when, a, when, a Christ, when when somebody's saved that there's a celebration in heaven. Why is it, why don't we celebrate? You know we have our celebration of Sunday every fifth, fifth Sunday in the evening time. That's supposed to be, we we come up here and, and and practice our song. We have a baptism. We 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 take communion. We do, partake of the ordinances, and you know. It should be a celebration. Now I know we're not charismatic, and if you know anything about church doctrine, charismatics are very excited people. Okay, if you've ever been to a charismatic church, I was born again in a charismatic church, and. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about doing somersaults down the aisle. But it's okay to clap. It's okay to raise your hand. And it's okay to yell hallelujah and praise God. It's okay to get excited. The pastor would add right there, you know, when you're jumping in the air, when your feet hit the ground, you better be walking the way you're supposed to be walking. The big picture. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on the big picture. We are Christians. We are born again. We do have a job to do. John Wesley and George Whitefield were greatly used for God in Britain. If you've never heard of those names, they were uh, big preachers back in the day. But they once got in a huge doctrinal dispute, as preachers do sometimes. And this became big news because these were big guys in the the, the faith. And someone asked Wesley one time, do you expect to see Whitfield in heaven? Thinking that he would say, no, he's going straight to hell. But no. Uh, uh, Wesley said this. He answered, no. And a hush fell across the room and he continued, I believe my brother will be so close to God's throne and I so far away that he will be out of eyeshot. You know, we may not agree on everything, but we have to agree on, on some things and that... One of those being the gospel okay, of Christ. And we can't get so caught up in those things that don't matter, such as the color of the carpet or the chairs or or the, the, the temperature of the room or whatever, that, that we lose sight of the big picture. In verse 20, Paul says, If it takes my death for Christ to be magnified, then so be it. How do you feel about that? Think about that. Are you truly willing to die for Christ if it'll extend his, his His message? I don't. I honestly, I have to believe that some some Christians don't really think on those terms. We come to church. It's comfy in here. We got nice chairs. What's the temperature here this morning? Uh, it's seventy in here right now. You know, it's comfortable. My house is like 93 right now. Our air conditioner is out. So, waiting on Big Dustin over there to put a new one in next week. <laughs> no, but, but it's nice in here, right? And, and we think about that. comfort. We're, we're in nice, dressy, snazzy clothes. And, and, and we think about that, right? But what if we had to get, think, think about Africa, Iraq. People are losing their heads for the faith. People people are literally in church homes with the doors locked, cowering in the corner because they could be killed at any minute. Yet yeah, we come into our air conditioned church every Sunday and you know, sometimes the other nights through the week, in small groups, and we have our snacks and our coffee and, and so on and what are we willing to give are you willing to give all that up for Christ? Or if the band and stuff went away and we had to sing without instruments and, and the snacks went away and there was no electricity and we couldn't use the monitors and would you find another church to attend that had those things? I'm being serious here. Do we is that the way we think or it might be a little harsh, I apologize, but I mean, come on. Uh, we always can't have those feel good sermons. We, you know, we've got to sometimes be asked the hard questions. What are we willing to give up for Christ? Paul gave up a lot for Christ. Gave up his freedom. Eventually gave up his life. If it takes my death for Christ to be magnified, then so be it. That touches me right here. There's two instruments which can magnify a microscope and a telescope. Each has a lens. One takes something very small and makes it larger. Another takes something very distant and brings it closer to our world. Today, Jesus is very small, minuscule, almost so much so that people, well, people do ignore him and they put him off and they they don't even consider him. Uh, it, I almost cannot watch the news or or read the internet anymore because of how disrespectful and, and off-putting some of it is towards God and Christ and, 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 and Christianity, period. It, it, I really feel it does offend me. And, and, uh, uh, but our change in this life, our trials, our unfavorable circumstances can use, be used by God as a lens through which the lost world looks at our lives. You know, to them, Christ is small. But if we're a lens for, for God, through which they see Christ, we can make Him bigger. How do, how do people see Christ in you? And here's the ouch question, do they? In verse 20, when Paul uses the phrase, eager expectation, that comes from the Greek word meaning stretch, head, eager expectation. Paul's saying he can have joy because he's turned his head away from the circumstances and towards his joy, which is Christ, towards Jesus. So here's your takeaway this morning. There is a message to be extended. Are you extending it? And there's a Master to be exalted. Exalted. And are we, are we exalting Him? Are we putting Him first in our life? Are we allowing people, the people we're around, our people we work with, our family, to see Jesus in us? Not just, uh, yeah, my brother, my cousin, my uncle, he's, he's a Christian, he's a, he's a pastor. Yeah, of course they know that about me. But do they see Jesus in me? Do they see Jesus in you? I know what they know about you. You're so-and-so. You're the funny guy. You're the uh, you're the good-looking guy. Uh, I figured that's what they said about me, but I don't know. <laughs> but do they see Jesus? They should. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I know they have an awesome song to sing here. But those, those are questions you need to dwell on. You, you really do need to put those in the back of your mind and think on them. Are people seeing Jesus through you? That's an important question. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head. Close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you to contemplate as the band comes up and they sing. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that makes you part of the world. I'm going to be blunt here. part of the world your part you're part of Satan, Satan's army that, that's the way that's the way God sees it that's the way the bible lays it out when we choose Christ when we accept Christ into our heart when we ask him to come forgive us and be our savior that's when things start to change now we just read Paul read about Paul being prisoner and being shipwrecked. Being a Christian isn't going sometimes doesn't make it better. In fact, sometimes things can get worse. I don't, I, last thing I want to do is sit up here, stand up here and and, and paint a, a rosy picture for you. It's a, being a Christian is a joy. Why? Because of the retirement plan. It's where I'm going to end up when this life is over. It's what happens when this life is over or when Jesus comes back, whatever whatever happens first. But if you're sitting here and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, I would ask that yeah, you would consider that. We're going to pray in a, in a, in a few seconds. And uh, give you the opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. And if you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, and as always... If you're sitting here and you're not walking right where you should be, there's a prayer for you to say as well. There's forgiveness to be had. There's forgiveness to be given. And it's not in conversation with me or your neighbor or your husband or your wife. It's in conversation. It's in prayer with the one I've been talking about this morning. You ask Christ. Whether to come into your heart or to forgive you and put you back on the right track. So right before uh, our praise team starts singing, I want to go to the Lord in prayers. I just ask everybody to silently pray with me. And if you need to ask the Lord into your heart or you got questions, by all means ask them. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. If you're sitting here this morning and you need to ask, Lord, you need to do business with the Lord. You've never asked Him into your heart to be your Savior, Lord. All you need to do is ask Him. Admit that you're a sinner. Ask Him to forgive you. Come into your heart. And be Lord of your life. And if you're already a Christian, you're already a believer. You just haven't been living the way you should. It's no more than just asking him forgiveness to help you focus, put you back on the right track. Simple words. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for all those sitting here. Lord, I just pray that hearts are touched today, Lord. Speak to hearts. Touch them. Lead them. Guide them, Lord. Whatever their needs, whatever their their wants, Lord, I just pray that you would answer them according to your will. We thank you for all your many, many blessings and we ask you to be upon each and every family represented here, each and every person in that family, Lord, whatever their need, whatever's required, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.